Show Thursday edition, first uh, show of the year, and uh, I got to tell you what, it's pretty cool to have your first show of the new year, and the governor of the state sits across from you. How you doing, Governor? Well, I'm doing great, Dave, and I want you to know it's pretty cool for me as governor to sit here across from you on the uh, first day of the it's new year. Kind of nice, isn't it? And it's like the second day of the new year. Well, not the new year, but for the show uh, of having Rush. Now here at 101.1 FM, the answer. So Congratulations. That's good. That's a good thing. Well, 2020 is going to be a good year. I'm very optimistic about it. A lot of challenges ahead, but we had a great 2019. So uh, uh, I'm blessed. Uh, I won't tell you how many decades uh, I've been engaged in public service or uh, the private sector supporting the public arena. But Glad to be with you today. So I, I will tell you this is that I'm excited. As you can see over my head, we just put up the new banner today here in the studio because this is the year that we're going to reelect the president for another four years. Uh, president Trump, a great banner. Keep America great. I That's love right. that. And uh, I tell you, I've been doing a few interviews on uh, a, a different topic, which is uh, uh, the um, potential uh, impeachment trial in washington i so, was going to call katie and see if you'd come on and talk about that sometime since you were a manager back at, during the clinton trial i was indeed so 20 years ago uh, i was uh, presenting the case to the united states senate uh, and uh, if they would just simply and i think uh, uh, senator mcconnell wants to do that is adopt the same rules that we had during the uh, clinton uh uh, impeachment, which was bipartisan adopted, and uh, it uh, allowed for two weeks of presentation, and uh, and then we actually did. Then you determine whether the case proceeds at that point. So we'll see which direction they go. My guess is that they they'll do everything to slow everything down, as they've already done. Well, the the Democrats. Yeah. Well, well I mean, I've I've been astounded. I've never seen anything like this, that the House votes to impeach and uh, Speaker Pelosi sits on it uh, and not delivering the articles of impeachment. That's like charging somebody with a crime and saying uh, this is going to hang over your head. We're not going to give you a day in court. Right. So uh, that's amazing. Uh, but let me be clear that uh, the American public and the United States Senate through history has indicated impeachment, removal from office of a president is a very, very high bar. And uh, in this instance, uh, there's nothing that uh, has been presented to the House that justifies that. Uh, There ought to be a quick resolution of it in the Senate. All right. Governor Asa Hutchinson is our special guest here this half hour. We're glad to have him here. Uh, I will tell you that a lot of people have a lot of questions on the refugee question, and so... I'm, can I move to yeah. talking about that with you and just start uh, with it? The first question that seems to be on everybody's mind is that you were very adamant back in 2015 about refugees and now seem to have uh, 
changed some on it. Can you can you talk about how that change came about? Actually, I remember the occasion that I was in Japan uh, recruiting uh, industry for Arkansas, and and all of a sudden uh, everything was uh, very concerned here in Arkansas about Syrian refugees coming here. Wasn't it Hot Springs that they wanted to bring them, if I'm not too, Well, no. there's a lot of rumors going around. And yeah, I think Hot Springs was part of that. And uh, so I jumped on it and said, uh, you know, we uh, do not want uh, the Syrian refugees. Uh, under the current circumstances, I would oppose Syrian refugees coming here. But that helped me to get engaged in it. And you ask, well, what's changed? Well, what changed is President Trump. Okay. And, and President Trump came in. And what we re- recognized as governors back in 2015 was that we had no visibility, we had no information on refugees coming into our state. It was a federal decision that was made that we only found found out after the fact, and we had really little information on it. And so uh, whenever President Trump came into office, uh, governors made our case to him, we have to be involved in this decision-making process. Uh, and secondly, I was very concerned about the background checks for refugees that came. Uh, and it wasn't just simply about Syrians. It was about the overall context of lack of information and uh, the fact that the, there was inadequate checks, in my judgment, at the time. Well, since then, President Trump has reduced the number of refugees coming to the United States down, I believe, it's to 18,000. Uh, nationwide. Yeah, before it was 110,000. Yeah. Well, exactly, exactly. And he reduced down to 18,000, which gave our officials time to do adequate background checks on them and and increase the process where it's very, very thorough. And then secondly, President Trump, by executive order, said governors have to be involved in this decision. And so President Trump gave governors what we asked for. And uh, with that, uh, that's what's changed. President Trump has allowed this process to change, tighten up the security, reduce the number, and uh, that was a key factor to me. All right. Then the question that's kind of a corollary question is that, uh, and this was asked by some state senators as well, is that they were not even notified that this was going to be happening. A lot of them found out through social media or constituents calling them which they weren't happy with. And I'm just wondering, what was the thought process? I understand that the president dropped this in governor's laps, but it would seem to me that, you know, communication with the Senate and the the House would have been a good thing to do. Well, it's always a good idea to communicate with the uh, General Assembly, and I make it a habit whenever I do something that uh, could create some controversy is to notify the leadership. And so uh, before... Uh, this was announced. Both the Speaker of the House and the Senate pro tem uh, were advised of uh, what we were doing, as well as a couple committee chair as well. Uh, I don't, uh, uh, you know, we don't as a habit call 135 members. We follow that leadership mm-hmm. change. Uh, but also, uh, the President Trump, you know, does not require a law to be passed. It simply is an executive decision. Uh, and so working with the White House is how this decision came about. Some people ask, well, why did it happen on that, on the, like the day before Christmas? Well, this is how it came about. I was actually at a Republican governor's meeting, meeting with other governors, and this was a topic of conversation. 
And uh, as we reviewed it, I recognized that many other Republican governors had already acted on this and approved refugees coming into their state with the new requirements. There had been significant briefings that I was engaged in as well on on the level of security. And so as a result of those discussions with Republican governors across the country, you know, I came back and focused on this more and uh, uh, recognized that uh, the security is in place. All of these are legal. Uh, this is uh, not someone who does not have legal authorization to come to the United States. And uh, with that, uh, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure that there was support in the local community in which the refugees might be located. And so with that, uh, I went ahead and sent my letter to uh, the president uh, saying that Arkansas, uh, with these conditions, would accept uh, the refugees that uh, are uh, allocated, which I believe in 2020 will be about uh, between 50 and 70. Okay. Do we know where they're coming from? We approve the uh, authorization for refugees to come here, and we only know where they're coming from based upon experience. And the experience that we've had is that uh, they come primarily from African nations that are Uh, war-torn. Congo is an example of that. Rwanda is another example of it. That's the bulk of who we get. Uh, I believe we've also had uh, uh, one or more from uh, South America or Central America. And then uh, there could be from the Middle East region, but generally that would be uh, someone who was under persecution because they cooperated with the United States of America. Could be someone in Iraq that cooperated with us and they're at great risk. Or it could be somebody from Syria that cooperated with Uh, our United States Armed Forces uh, in uh, our operations there, or it could be from Afghanistan of people who cooperated. I look at that as that we have an obligation, just like uh, whenever we accepted uh, refugees coming from Vietnam after the Vietnam War. Now, obviously, this is a number that's less than 100. Uh, I think last year we had about 70 that came in. This year we're looking at about 50. Uh, And uh, but that's the information I have based upon history and experience as to where they would come from. How about money that's going to directly impact the, the citizenry of Arkansas? How much will this cost the state? Uh, the zero. Uh, okay. So the refugee resettlement is not covered by any state dollars. Refugee resettlement is uh, covered by federal funds, that's allocated to the sponsoring agency as well as private dollars that are raised to help them in the transition. Now, just like any other uh, legal person that's in the United States, they do have access to uh, support. Uh, So they could have children that go to school. And so you could argue that, well, there's a cost to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's, uh, they could have, after they get employment, if, uh, if they are not making sufficient funds, they could have access to some of our other uh, support, which is primarily federal dollars. If it's Medicaid, there's a small, uh, there is a, a certain percent of state got dollars that would go to it. But the resettlement efforts is fully paid for by federal funds, 
as well as by private dollars. All right. We'll come back, talk further with the governor in a moment. This is Dave Ellswick's show. We'll be back in just a few. Yeah, it's kind of nice to have Rush back here at 101.1 for the simple reason that for 10 years, he led in my show at another station I was at where he used to be. He's following you. Yeah, well, he got yeah, he got kicked to the curb like I did, and now he's now we're back together again. Oh, that could be that could be trouble for some people. All right, the governor's on. Governor Asa Hutchinson is here with uh, me in the Dave Ellswick studio, which is uh, a Republican studio. I can tell you, is that not true, Governor? Is it not a Republican studio? I consider it Republican and conservative. <laughs> <laughs> it is seriously conservative. Katie is here too. Katie Beck is here. She's sitting over to my. My right, and it's good to see you, Katie. Are you having a good New Year so far? You glad to be back home? You are okay. That's good. Love that. I still have my Hillary sticker up. No, it's not pro. Okay, and just for the up. audience, uh, Katie is my Katie Beck is my communications director. Yes. She was in Washington, and we're delighted to have her back to Arkansas. Well, she is back home where she has wanted to be. It's nice to visit Washington. I would not want to live there at all. Uh, I concur with that. A week is fine. After that, don't want to be there any longer. We've been talking to the governor about the uh, the refugee movement that's going to, to occur. Do we know the, the dates of when the refugees will arrive? Uh, no. Uh, they expect over the course of the year, I think it's 54, that they've been allocated for 2020. And so that's uh, really uh, dependent upon uh, the federal agencies and Canopy, which is a sponsoring organization. And, of course, you have to remember that, you know, there's families that are here under previous authorizations. This is just the first time they've had to have the approval of the governor. Okay. And so that is really the key difference. They had, I, I believe, 70 that was relocated last year, 50 that's anticipated uh, this year. And I've mentioned uh, the sponsoring organization. Let me talk about that, if I Go might, right just ahead. for a minute, that – uh, the actual application to bring in refugees comes from the sponsoring organization, which is Canopy, which is uh, really uh, an organization reflecting uh, various churches in northwest Arkansas. And uh, they see this as a ministry, uh, as a service to uh, those that are in great need and reflecting the great the values of our country. And so they uh, bring them in. They help them to get jobs. They uh, make sure they get the training that they need, help them to assimilate, which is so critical. If we're going to have people from other countries come here, we want them to, to assimilate into our society. And so that's their responsibility. And that's why, you know, they're not relocating them to South Arkansas or East Arkansas or Central Arkansas. It's really a Northwest Arkansas uh, Central organization that works out of there now after time they can go elsewhere but that's where they're they're first uh, going uh, and so uh, canopy is a uh, good organization that we've had good experience with and i was very impressed with a number come in that within six months they're employed they have an income they're paying taxes that's what we want to see from the refugees that come in all right so is this just up in the fayetteville area at this time uh, that's right. That's right. Uh, uh, whenever uh, the sponsored organization is located there, they bring them there. And that's why uh, I wanted to make sure that there was support from a local community. And so uh, Springdale uh, has just uh, sent a letter saying that they would support this uh, ministry of canopy as they bring these refugees in. Fayetteville has written a similar letter. And so 
Uh, under the president's executive order, uh, the governor has to sign off on it, but uh, both under his order and my principles, I want to make sure local communities buy into it as well. And so if there's a local community that says, no, we don't want to participate in that, Canopy's not interested in trying to bring and partner with that community. Uh, that's why it's Springdale, Fayetteville right now. I expect that there'll be other areas. I had a good conversation with two county judges, uh, both Republican, uh, mm-hmm. there in Benton and Washington County. And, uh, you know, they understand what's happening here and uh, just want to make sure they had all the facts and, and uh, information that they needed. They're going to be good partners in it as well. I want to go back to, I had asked about contacting the Senate and, and the House and the members of those two uh, different organizations. And you said you talked to the majority leader of the Senate and then you talked to the Speaker of the House. So evidently the Speaker of the House and the majority leader didn't talk to the rest of their caucus. Uh, that's, I, I don't know to the extent that they had communications, but that's the normal process that we follow whenever I make an announcement. Uh, and this happens frequently and we call, you know, the, the Senate pro tem, the leader of the Senate, and then the speaker of the house. And we usually call a couple committee chair, you know, if it's an education issue mm-hmm. or, or whatever issue. And so, uh, that's just the communication that we follow, uh, you know, if we can do better, we want to be able to improve it, but I can't, uh, well, being formerly in the military, it sounds like the way we would have done things. That's the chain of command. We try to follow. That's exactly. I mean, you, you go through a chain and if the part of the chain breaks down, that is a problem. So I'll be giving a call to a couple of people <laughs> okay. and talking to them. Did you happen to think about calling the rest of your caucus, you know, and see why they didn't? Because well, evidently they didn't. Well, I, I don't know. They, they're usually very good about communicating, and sometimes they make the judgment that, well, this is an executive decision. You gave us a heads up. You know, we notified the committee chair, and and so you never you ever know about that. But we always want to improve those those communications. Okay. Uh, what about? Uh, is there any kind of security system set up? I mean, I understand that these are people. These are people who have been vetted, but do we have anything set in place so that? We are notified if uh, anything happens with one of these people. They, you know, they don't do what we think they should be doing or whatever so that uh, the state knows what's happening. Great point. Previously, under the Obama administration and under before this executive order was entered, we had absolutely no visibility on that. And we've created a new scenario that that's exactly the kind of information flow I expect and want. Uh, for example, the authorization that I've given goes for the year 2020. Okay. That is a one-year authorization. So during the course of that year, I expect to have information and be able to analyze, uh, you know, how many have been employed, how are they integrating, any issues there, any law enforcement issues. And based upon that experience, I can make a good judgment for the following year and whether we need to do things differently, whether we need to end the program or we just need to tighten it up some. Uh, and so that is the great thing about what uh, President Trump did in signing that executive order. He gives the governors and the local communities the visibility we need to make sure that we're protected, to make sure that uh, you know we do everything we can to make sure that uh, the law is followed and that they get jobs and that they're, they're assimilated into our society. Uh, last question on this, and, and that is, uh, 
What kind of blowback have you had about this? Uh, we've had some. We've had some. Uh, you, you, uh, our front office has had uh, two or three calls. When I was leaving today, I had another call. Much of it is based upon misinformation. For some reason, people think, well, illegals are coming in. Mm-hmm. Or they think it's going to be like the Cuban uh, crisis in which uh, we had thousands and thousands that were let out of prison in Cuba that came in here. Uh, this is not the case, obviously. They're all legal. And uh, there's a, a good process here uh, as to a limited number that is coming uh, that I believe it reflects the best of Arkansas, it reflects the best of, of America in our compassion, but also uh, our democracy that uh, we want to be able to recognize immigrants as the strength of our country, the vibrancy uh, that gives us life for the future. And, uh, and so I think this is a small part of that. Uh, I'm grateful for, I mean, you look at other governors from, from Oklahoma uh, to uh, Louisiana have all signed on to this. We did our part. All right. We're out of time. The news is next. I'll be back with you in a moment. All right. So I hope that uh, you got your questions answered. Every question I had came from people who texted me, called me, and uh, who had made, you know, different uh, questions on the air on Tuesday. You know, the one that I asked about how much it was going to cost the state directly from, uh, you know, talking with uh, with Jan, Jan Morgan, because that was one of was on her her mind. The other one was on the security question. So I got both of those in because I know uh, that a lot of people who follow her had the same questions in their minds. Uh, Wayne Beach got his in, got uh, some other people's in. Uh, Elizabeth texted me during the show and I uh, wove one of her questions. And I mean, and, and then the people watching on Facebook, lots of uh, people talking. But, you know, here's the key. Uh, if I would feel a lot better, just to be honest. In fact, if, if my church said, Dave, what would you say if we're going, if we wanted to bring refugees in from the Middle East that are uh, Christians that are being persecuted, that they're being murdered, they're being persecuted, uh, what would you think? I'd be all for it. be honest with you. I'd be all for it. If I could bring them here and give them a place where they can worship safely and uh, worship uh, God, uh, you know, the the God of the universe and and Jesus Christ, be more happy to, to see it happen. But I'd want to make sure that our church was really willing to support the people that we brought in, help them get uh, the jobs that they need and things of that nature. I'm not against doing uh, doing some work with refugees. Uh, I think we answered that question with the Bible guys on Tuesday as well. That's one of the things that we're called on as Christians to do, to take care of the refugee that asks for our help. So... Uh, my whole thing is, is the governor called the, uh, the Senate majority leader or the pro tem, whichever way you want to look at it. And he called the speaker of the house and neither of the directors of those bodies evidently got a hold of the men and women to make up their bodies, the elected representatives, because every politician I've talked to except one 
And I, I've told all the politicians I don't use their names because it was off the record when I was asking them. But the bottom line was none of them, and you heard, you've heard some of them on the show because they've come on the show and talked, found out about this through social media or when one of their constituents called them. That is not the kind of transparency I want in my state government. I think it's not the kind of transparency you want in your state government. And it behooves the people who are the head of the Senate and of the uh, of the House here in uh, Arkansas to get a hold of their, uh, their elected officials, their caucuses, uh, and get a hold of the Democrats even in their caucus and to bring them up to date on what is going on here in the state. Now, um, I'm, I'm going to make a couple of calls. I'll get a hold of Hendren and we'll get a hold of the speaker as well. And, and we'll see about uh, them joining us next week to talk about this because uh, that's just not the way it should work. Uh, being former military, being a vet, I can tell you, you got a phone tree and you call and it works right down to the roots and everybody knows what's happening. Why it didn't happen this time, I don't get it. And it's wrong. As the governor said, maybe they thought it's the governor had decided to do it. And so, so be it. No, you need to let all of your, your people know you need to let all this. I mean, I understand for Hendren, it's easy. You know, he's got what 35 people that he's going to have to contact Uh, over the house. There's a hundred. Okay. So there's more people to call, but it's not like they're going to make a personal call. They're probably, you could send out a, a, you know, an email blast with all the pertinent information and get it to everybody. So I do have problems with that. I just don't think there was enough transparency on this issue. Let me just run over real quickly what he said. Uh, the, he decided this after having a governor's meeting. Uh, the, gov- the, the president had put out the executive order. One three eight eight eight. And by the way, I hadn't, I didn't get a chance to ask that question during uh, the time that the governor was on, but I did ask him before he left, and that was, had he been in contact and in conversation with the president about this executive order before it was written? His answer was yes, and uh, he said that uh, he brought up some of the things about how governors should be more involved in all of this uh, with the president. And uh, that uh, was included in the executive order. So the governor had some direct input with Donald Trump uh, as far as the executive order went. He wanted everybody to understand it is only a one-year deal this year. If things go sideways, get a stop. Uh, for the folks working uh, dealing with security, that's one thing that he was adamant about as well. If anybody gets in trouble with the law, if there's any kind of uh, mischief, it will be reported to the governor, and they're, they're going to keep a, keep tabs on all of this. And uh, that was one of the things that uh, the governors were uh, all uh, very um, strong on in talking to the president as well. I didn't get a real good timeline. I'm sorry about that. I didn't think that that was as important as a lot of the other questions, so I didn't work the timeline about, so when did you, you know, deal, when did you call, you know, 
the pro tem, when did you call the Speaker of the House and whatnot? Uh, I found it more interesting that the pro tem and the Speaker of the House hadn't con- contacted uh, the senators and the representatives. Uh, the cost to the state, none to the state, uh, unless you want to factor in uh, the dealing with anybody who's in the United States and the Supreme Court ruled back in the 50s about, you know, uh, immigrants uh, come just as refugees would fit the same thing about going to school, children going to school. Uh, that is, uh, according to the Supreme Court, something that we have to do. Uh, so they'll be getting their, their teaching and getting their educations through the public school system. Uh, later on, if they haven't, uh, if they, if they haven't uh, done their, uh, the deal that they, they need to do as far as they got their jobs and whatever, but let's say they're not making a lot of money, uh, if they fall into uh, uh, our welfare programs, they would be able to get welfare. Uh, how many refugees? It looks like it's anywhere between 50 and 70. Uh, where are they coming from? Uh, they don't have a specific where they're coming from, uh, but uh, basically what they're looking at, it's going to be uh, the refugees are going to come from African nations that are in the conflict of war at this time. Uh, said there could be some from Iraq or Afghanistan uh, but these would be individuals who have been helping the United States in uh, what they've been doing over in those countries. I mean, uh, I know of a couple of uh, refugees uh, from Afghanistan who worked with the military, and they were translators for them. And because of that, their lives are in danger from the Taliban, and uh, they were given uh, refugee status here in the United States. So. I, I think that we basically about where they're relocating at right now, Northwest uh, Arkansas, Fayetteville, uh, Springfield, those are the areas uh, that we're, uh, we're looking at. So I, I hope, I hope that uh, I got all your questions answered as far as this concerned. Uh, but, uh, and my thanks to the governor for coming on and uh, talking with us about this. So we'll continue to Dave Ellswick show here in just a moment when we get back. Uh, if you have a question, you want to make a statement, uh, 823-0965. 823-0965 is the number to call here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Let's go to the phones. Larry is in Conway. Larry, how are you? Welcome to the show today. I'm good, Dave, until I heard the man. But first and foremost, let me say thank you for asking those questions. Okay, I hope that we covered everything. I mean, these are the questions that you all have been sending me, and what better way to get answers than to ask the man who's in charge? Exactly. Now, secondly, as the governor would say, let me make myself perfectly clear. Okay. Federal money, as he says, is my money. So I'm still paying for it in his language. Right. Second of all, he has told so many lies that he should have a D by his name on the stuff that he has done that we didn't want him to do. Okay. There is so many. Ask him about Acts 705, the million dollars he took out to give to 
the U of A Fort Smith to build a building that he took out of the highway funds. And now he wants to raise our taxes or keep them the same for highways. Okay. So you can understand why a lot of us are angry. Well, no, I I very well understand yeah. why you're angry. I, I wasn't really I wasn't all that happy with it about this whole thing, refugee thing. He knew that as when he sat I'm down in front not. of me. I'm still not, and like I said, I appreciate you uh, you saying something, but uh, the man should have a D by his name instead of an R, and uh, I'm laughing so hard that he actually thinks that he's going to get us to vote to continue the half-cent uh, tax on gasoline when he already raised it, plus all the $70 million of taxes that has been raised when he says we're uh, going to lower our tax bracket by 0.3%. Well, I, you know, if you've been listening to my show, you know that I'm adamantly against the half-cent oh, yeah. sales tax, and not only because of the tax itself, but that they want to add it to the Constitution. I really exactly. am against that. Exactly. And look how much money that they've already gotten from the uh, medical marijuana and the uh, Internet sales tax. They've got so much money that they don't know what to do with it. All right. So thank well, you, Dave. I, I appreciate you, buddy. Keep right. it up. Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Oh, I should have asked him how he likes having Rush here now. Doggone it. Anyway, uh, 823-0965. That's the number to call. 823-0965. What did you think about what the governor just said about the whole refugee resettlement uh, that we all found out about? on the day before Christmas Eve. And like I said, I thought the transparency on the issue wasn't good. Told the governor that during the interview. And uh, he said that he had called uh, the head of the Senate and the head of the House. Now, I have I heard back from a state senator who asked to remain anonymous, and uh, I'll read to you exactly what he said to me. And uh, let me... Bring it up here. Hold on. Okay. Uh, The leadership was contacted. The problem is they had no information nor details. They were told, I am doing this, but not told what this is. I talked to them for days about it, and we were all in the dark. So uh, that's, you know, needs to be need to get a hold of some people and talk to them and see what's going uh, going on as far as uh, that's concerned. Like I told you during, as I said, during the interview, uh, I will be contacting uh, Senator Hendren and uh, I'll be talking to the speaker, seeing if they'll come on the show next week and talk about, you know, what they were told about what was going to be transpiring and then, if they were told that there was going to be a refugee resettlement happening, uh, why didn't they contact the rest of uh, the House and the Senate and let them all know? I mean, with the with the way that we've got set up now for communications, there's no reason why you can't let people know what's going on. I mean, uh, I've got in front of me something that was sent to uh, senators and to representatives, but it wasn't sent until Tuesday of this week, all right, that 
that's too late. <laughs> that's that's a week later. It should something if it, that should have been sent by somebody. Uh, I mean, I understand where the governor's coming from, where he said, "Hey, I called uh, the pro tem and I called the speaker and I told them what's happening." Now, I want to get him on, find out what were you told. So we'll we'll keep following the story on this and 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 try to get uh, all the information. But I hope that you had your questions answered. That that's that was my goal in uh, asking the governor come to come on. We were talking about this on Tuesday. I sent uh, Katie uh, an email and said, could the governor come on with us uh, on Thursday at 2? And I got an answer back within about 20 minutes, and she said yes. And he was here today, and he he took every one of my questions, and I thought he he answered them all, uh, you know, right straight up to us. And he wasn't, uh, he wanted to be asked all questions. In fact, he said that when he sat down. He says, Dave, I want you to ask me all the questions. And I said, well, I got plenty. (laughs) That was my my answer to him. And we went, uh, I I went down the list. I mean, my first question was one that had been asked by a lot of people. What changed since 2015 when he said he was against refugee resettlement? And he said, because... Donald Trump was in and this executive order came out and he went from 110,000 under Obama to just 18,000 uh, with the president on these refugees and that they were, they were getting involved, getting the governors involved and whatnot and uh, local uh, government as well. Uh, he felt it was different than when they were just reallocating Syrians uh, and they tried to do that here to, if I'm not mistaken, it was Hot Springs. And, uh, you know, the governor was not happy about it because he got caught off guard because the government didn't have to tell the states that they were going to do it. They just told them that they were going to do it. And uh, at that point, the governor was not happy with it and said he wouldn't uh, allow, you know, Syrian refugees to come in. Now, I'll be honest, he said Syrian refugees. I went back and read his comment from that time and it was syrian refugees and like i told you if they came to me and told me they had you know a bunch of uh you know jesus following christians that were being persecuted because they're being not only persecuted they're being killed wantonly over there they're searching them out and killing them uh you know i don't see where we would not want to give sanctuary uh to refugees like that i i'd be all about it I mean, you do your due diligence, you do your vetting, you find out as much as you can about the people, because that's not to say that, you know, somebody from ISIS wouldn't try to fake it, because they feel like, you know, as as Islam says they can, they can lie to mislead the unbeliever, just so you know, something they can do. But I have, I appreciate that the governor came on, and my thanks to Katie Beck for help, helping us set that that up here on uh, on the Dave Ellswick show for today. And again, I will get the I'll call the pro tem and I'll call the speaker and we'll get them on and we'll find out what they have to say about all of this as well. They need to talk now. The governor said they contact he contact, contacted them and I know if I was an elected senator right now, 
or an, uh, or if I were, you know, like for instance, Kim Hammer or Carlton Wing from the from the House, I'd be saying, uh, calling up the Speaker, calling up the Pro Tem, and saying, "What did the Governor tell you? When did he tell you? And why didn't you tell us?" I think that that's a legitimate question uh, to be asked. That 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 is really, you know, like from Cool Hand Luke. I can't wait. I hope I get my playback that they told me. I think I was going to get, and I'd I'd have that uh, that. That part from Cool Hand Luke. What we have here is a failure to communicate. Because that's exactly what it is. A failure to communicate. All right. I hope that, uh, by the way, you enjoyed. He hasn't been on himself, but he will be on by Monday. Uh, Rush will be back, I'm sure, Monday. He's taking time off during the holidays. Mark Stein was on today. But the Rush Limbaugh Show is now here at 101.1 FM uh, the answer from 11 until 2 every day, Monday through Friday. I believe that he'll be uh, starting to show up on Saturdays as well from 3 to 6. I think that's the best of Rush. Uh, I'll, I'll get a hold of uh, some of the people here at the station who know more about that than I do and and get uh, clarification on that and let you know. But the bottom line is the new home of the Rush Limbaugh Show is here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. So Dave Ellswick's show. Stay around. We got more for you. Second hour, Senator Mark Johnson is gracing my studio. Thank you for coming in, dude. Thanks. Happy New Year, Good. Dave. Happy and New very, Year to you. Very great congratulations for after, gosh, almost about 30 years of Rush being on Brand X over there. Yeah. Now he's here. Yes. It used to, used to be that I led into Rush because I, when I first came here, I was doing middays mm-hmm. and then turned around. And uh, 
now am, uh, you know, sitting uh, where I'm at, and uh, he's leading into my show like he did for 10 years. Before you came to Little Rock, I believe, uh, our old friend uh, Rex uh, Neil Gladner. No, Neil Gladner, yeah. Hired uh, first Rex Nelson to do a show right after Rush went off called Respond to Rush. Yep. The idea people could talk about what Rush was talking about for one hour but have a better chance of getting on. And, and I was sort of the the temporary permanent fill-in for Rex on that. And, and uh, he would always call me the kinder, gentler Mark Johnson, which I took as a compliment at the time. But, but that was uh, uh, kind of a heyday of all that. And I'm, uh, uh, you know, I, we, we all go back to that. I mean, Rush is the man, and, and I'm really thrilled that he's here. Yes. Very much so. I'm I'm trying to answer somebody. No, that's okay. That's, that's sending me. I mean, you've only got this thousands is a, of listeners out there waiting for this. This is the thing that happens all the time now is that you got so many different ways for people to get a hold of you, call you, text you, right. email you. I've done and, that before. And I'm I'm doing that right now. You were trying to get an answer. You talk about it on the air, and I just pull out my phone and send you a text, say, hey, Dave, it's this. You know, you if know I somebody know is, you know, there was a, there's a, uh, no, face yeah, Facebook page that's about Arkansas radio, and they were saying, hey, the reason that uh, Rush is not on KARN any longer is because they couldn't afford him and they couldn't sell him. Well, let me just say, if you couldn't sell Rush, you got a real problem. I'm just saying that. If you can't sell Rush, you got a problem, because we're already selling Rush. Right. People want to be on Rush. Right. Whatever, whatever is going on, I'm just telling you, you need to look at your sales staff. And then to say, yeah, he's now he's over at 101, but it's under 1,000 watt, and not say maybe under 1,000 watt, but we're as good as a 25 or probably maybe better uh, watt station because of where our antenna is sitting because we're up on the, the, the hill with all the TV stations, and we cover all four counties, all measurable four counties the is way this, we should. Is this out Chenal Ma- yeah. Mountain? Yeah, Chenal Mountain out there. That's which where, is near my house. That's where yeah. we're at, which most, most radio stations would love to have their antenna right there, and that's where ours is at. We, well, I we picked you up good. in western Perry County, the very farthest west end of my district last week or week before Christmas. Yeah. And I was, uh, this is the area that the cell phones don't work. Yeah. But I had you coming in loud and clear. You go over. You can go up to B Branch and get us clear. You get us in Greenbrier. Get us you in Conway. You cover my district. Yeah, you, you know, I'm out there. Yeah. You can hear us. You know, it's just hilarious that people are saying, well, you can't get it. And, and, and let's be honest. Radio is different than it was five years ago to two years ago in that it's not just terrestrial radio anymore. I listened you got, to you a while ago on my app. On the app. Yeah. You know, you got the, the Salem app you can get. You can tune right in to to 101.1 on your phone. Listen on your phone. You can run it through your sound system in your car. Uh, You can get a Do you have the Alexa thing? Yeah, we got that too. Yeah. We got all of that. There are no excuses. You know, you can can get us if you want to get us. It's that simple. Now, if you refuse to, and look, I I really pissed somebody off on Facebook the other day because I just, I told them, if you're not willing to come into the 21st century, I can't drag you by your tongue. And they got really incensed about that. But it's the truth. Things change. You got to go right. with the tide. And you don't uh, believe it. Next week it you will be, except for Sunday, you'll be reading the Arkansas Democrat Gazette on an iPad. That's exactly right. 
I'm just wait. Look, a lot of people don't don't listen to my show anymore. They watch my show mm-hmm. over on Facebook. Oh, so are we? Are we? On, oh yeah, there's camera all, right over there. Well, see, see, it's I'm red. Glad I dress for the part. You yeah, know, we used to joke that. You know, dude, you come in on a wife beater, and it wouldn't bother me at all. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, it, it's it, the way communications is now is right. different. It's just what it is. I've been arguing for years. If I could bring Russ in here right now, he'd say, yeah, Dave's been talking about this for over a decade. I wanted to put us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was wanting to be one of the first stations to do that. And I couldn't get, uh, at that time, Cumulus to put up the money for it. And so what we did here at Salem is I, I got a couple of, of advertisers that bought the camera, bought the necessary I know equipment. know it's not expensive. It's not. It's not. It was yeah. under two thousand dollars. Two thousand dollars. You hiccup more than that at most radio stations. That's right. Just the way it I is. I can point to equipment in this room. I know costs more than two. Yes, absolutely, Ab- absolutely. Right. So anyway, well, again, I, this other, is kind of irritating. But let's get back to talking about the governor was on. I did hear him, I and I talked to him about the whole refugee yes, thing. Sir. You can see here. Got my little and thing. And thank here. you for for asking there's the right all, questions. There's all the questions. And they came from listeners. They came from state senators, state representatives, because I, I called a lot of people to find out what they knew about it. And they were saying, the first thing I heard about it, Dave, was on Facebook or, right. you know, or one of my constituents called me. And, you know, it's really crazy. You don't want to be called by your constituent and asked a question that you don't have an answer to about something that the government the governor I is doing. I can assure you that that is the case, and and that did happen to me, Dave. And I'm I'm not, uh, and I'm not going to point fingers. But uh, uh, one thing you did say, and I just want to, if I'm going to say something controversial, maybe this will be it. Uh, uh, I respect Senator Jim Hender and our President Pro Tem, but I don't work for him. It's not a hierarchy. He's not the general, and I'm not a second lieutenant. Uh, it's not responsibility to uh, communicate with him, although oftentimes he shares and asks the staff to share information with all 35 senators. And uh, and I'm going to defend my colleagues on the other side of the aisle. We have nine Democrats in the Senate. They need to be informed just as the 26 as Republicans said. should be. And, uh, and, that, and that's there's. It's it happens enough in other instances for me to know it would not have been a big deal. It was. Uh, it's important for someone to inform us, even if it cost us to turn to the governor's liaisons and ask many of those questions that you ask. Some of them were pretty. Uh, I hate to say benign, but they they deserve an answer. But one of my constituents was calling me, and my response to her was, "You know." Some people may not have been around in 1980 when Bill Clinton was dealing with refugees. And I can assure you he could give them, Governor Hutchinson or anyone else, some advice on dealing with that. Now, people say, well, it was Cubans and Cartags that defeated Bill Clinton. But but I can tell you, it was arrogance that beat Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. And the Cubans and Cartags were symptoms of that because he thought he could get away with that because he, and I think at the time, he was buddying up to Jimmy Carter. And uh, putting them all up in Fort Chaffee was one more favor he could do for President Carter. I think Governor Clinton was, and he probably would have been, uh, the next attorney general in the second Carter administration. But as we all know, there was no second Carter administration. Thank God. 
<laughs> that fellow right there. That's right. Uh, Ronald Reagan came along right. and uh, short-circuited all his exactly. plans. He went back to planting peanuts, and now he's building houses. He's, he does a lot. He does a lot of great work. I, I will not say I won't say things bad about Carter as a person, as a politician. He stank. Well, <laughs> he's not the most recent president we've had that was in over his head. Yeah, well, he was way in but over he was, his head. But I, the, the thing is that if you look at where the world is, and this refugee thing is a part of that, uh, when he did not back up the Shah of Iran, it set some wheels in motion that puts us where we are now in this war on terrorism because mm-hmm. that's where it really started was, was in Iran, and, and we're still dealing with Iran. And it's, But we have some good news, Doug. Do you know that the United States is now a net exporter of petroleum? Yeah. It hasn't been that way since like 1918. It was, well, I think in the, in the early 60s or late 50s, but the very idea that we would be uh, doing, because in, in 1979, we never thought that would be the case. No, no. No, but that's when President Carter, uh, when he got elected, he was capping wells in the United States. Right. Crazy stuff. You're just supposed to put a sweater on and. Grin and Barrett yeah, and drive 55. Play Mr. Rogers. <laughs> That's what you do. All right. Indeed. Hey, Jim. Jim is on the phone, wants to join oh, us for a okay. moment. Hey, Jim, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. What's happening, Dave? You know me uh, talking about uh, your radio and all that, and people can hear you. Heck, I was in Indiana last week, and uh, you were live and living, freezing all over my radio there. And, uh, uh, on iHeartRadio. Yeah. So, I mean, you're on you're on the app. You're on the on you're on the listen live. You can live stream off your cha- off your uh, channel. I mean, if people want to find you, they can find you. And I was thrilled to know that uh, Rush had come to one on one. I did not know that he was coming over here. I hadn't heard. I hadn't even heard that he wasn't le- he wasn't going to be on uh, the other station. Yeah, KARN. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I mean it's outstanding that uh, you got the got the best teacher in front of you. <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. It, that's the way it yeah. all, that's the way it was for ten years. Yeah, it was. It, it was. What he was he been over there like twenty five years? Thirty years. Thirty years. Thirty. Now, he that's, came that's, in right at the end, uh, at the beginning of the uh, first Bush administration. Yeah. Yeah. 89. And so, and now there, there was a gentleman that was on the radio before you come into 101, uh, and he used to do a Saturday show, but I don't know what's happened to him, where he's gotten off to, but uh, I don't guess he's on the radio anywhere who, anymore. Who are we talking about? Do you remember her name? Ma- Mark Raymer. Oh, Mark Raymer? He's, a, he's not in radio any longer. Right. Yeah. I mean, he he left the station, and uh, but you know, I I liked his gravelly voice, but yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I hate it for. But uh, yeah, I, I I like listening to what you were talking about uh, with your guest there, and uh, he mentioned Carter, and you know what just mystifies me is how he was such a terrible president. But he was an admiral in the Navy. Yeah. I, no, I've no, always he was not an admiral. He was in the Navy, just, but he was not an admiral. Okay. Well, whatever, oh, he whatever he was, he didn't learn anything. He worked for an yeah, admiral. He worked for not. Admiral Rickover. 
Okay. Well, wow. I mean, How do you not become conservative working for Admiral Rickover? Well, he was part of the, and as an incident of uh, Lieutenant Junior Gray, he was part of the nuclear Navy. He wow. Worked, he worked for Admiral Rickover. Jim, are you familiar with Rickover? I've heard, I've heard the name, but I, I I was always back in the when he was president and all that. You know, it was tied to doubt that he was an admiral. I did not realize that. No, he but wasn't. he did go to Annapolis, and he was in the Navy. He was a yeah. graduate of the Naval Academy, and but he served right. uh, uh, as a young officer served under Admiral Rickover, who's called the father of the nuclear Navy. And and right, I remember a, that. Yeah, he was a. Uh, Rick, Hover, Rick Hover was one of the most conservative men I ever met. <laughs> I'll be honest. Well, maybe, well, maybe he should have got him when he yeah. did that fiasco over there and uh, trying to rescue the hostages. Well, ask me sometime to repeat my story about all of that because I I I knew Beckwith. I knew Colonel Beckwith, the man who directed that operation, and he told me why it went wrong and. Uh, I always like to tell my Jody Powell story when they were in their war room and he told them that they were going to shoot all of the the uh, people that were guarding the hostages. And he says, you're going to kill them? That was Jody Powell saying, you're going to kill them? And Beckwith looked at him and says, what would you have me do, spank them? <laughs> what a great answer. Yeah, what a great absolutely. Answer. And by the way, Beckwith is the man who developed Delta Force, just so you'll know. And uh, just he took all the blame for that fiasco in the desert. And it, I'm just telling you, it was not his fault. It was the president of the United States. OK, we'll take a break. We'll be back. Mark Johnson's here. We'll come back and uh, and kind of I'll, I'll get control of my uh, sto- my my, my uh, information that's going on right here. We have more coming your way on the Dave Ellswick show. Got about seven minutes till we uh, give you a, a minute of news, bring you up to date. Don't forget that we've got Representative Mark Lowry at four. He'll be coming by. Uh, I'm going to make some calls uh, tomorrow morning and see if I can't get uh, the pro tem uh, Jim Hendren on. And also, who's the who's of the head of the the, the House now? Uh, rep- representative, uh, uh, gosh, Speaker Whitaker. No, 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 no. He's the he's the Democrat. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, gosh, I can't Growing remember. Old is a bitch. Yeah. Uh, from El Dorado. I don't uh, remember. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. Call. But see, I, I'm a House. I'm a senator. I'm not supposed to. I know. Have any, you're not supposed to have any opinion to about Senate, uh, about what's going on in the House. But we're going to get. I'm going to try. And to get again, him. that they have their own communication system. I can't say they right. did it right or right. wrong. And they, but I'm just saying, everybody I've talked to. How, you know, senator or representative found out about this refugee thing either through social media or had a uh, you know a constituent call them and asked them about it and they didn't know what was going on and that's embarrassing for a uh, uh, you know an elected official. And, and and I kind of alluded that to the governor, and he says, "Well, I told you know I told the heads of the of uh, the Senate and of of the House, which I had not heard yet, and so now I want to find out what they were told because a state another state senator was listening in and said, Dave, they were yeah, he was called, but he didn't know what it was about, and I I I got a problem with 
the head of Matt, the, Matthew Shepard is this Matthew Shepard. Thank you. And uh, you know, I, I'm going to chalk it up. To, it's not Alzheimer's. It's sometimes. No, there you go. But he is my friend, and I have a highest amount. He's of a good guy. Yeah, and uh, he's. Oh, he knows that. But, it's, but it's, I, I forgot your name. Tuesday. Well, it I kept telling. I got state senator. Uh, Somebody over okay. there. You know the guy from Burndale. Yeah. <laughs> I said uh, that. Well, but but you know again. I, I know that the House has their way of communicating, just like we have in the Senate. But I just know that, and again, I'm, I'm not going to totally let the well, governor Elizabeth off the just, hook. Elizabeth just hit me and said, the, the, Matthew Shepard. Yeah, the, the problem we have, uh, uh, as I said, the governor's got a big staff, and they can, they can yeah. do And it's not for me. I don't, I mean, I do care. But it's that I can be prepared when a constituent calls me, which they have, and the texts and the emails were even off the scale and i'm it made me turn the ringer off of my facebook messenger because it was dinging me a lot at inopportune times i still get the messages but my phone right. doesn't start ringing you had a lot up. of constituents asking you questions yes and and they were the same kind of questions you were asking the governor and he gave legitimate answers mm-hmm. but but you know like we were talking about earlier i'm i worry about the vetting and I'm not saying that the president and his people wouldn't do it right, uh, but you know, if someone wanted to come to the United States, they'd say they were from Vulcan if it helped. They thought it would get them in. The only way, and I, I've been very honest and upfront about this, when it comes to Jesus followers, when it comes to you know Coptic Christians and people like that that have been that there's genocide going on yes. against them, I'm more than half. I wish my church would bring some refugees in. Number one, we probably would learn something about worship. You know, be persecuted like they've been persecuted. They, and they have, and in Egypt, it's it's horrible. I have befriended a, a Coptic priest who actually lives in Dallas, but he sort of takes care of the limited number of Coptics in, in central Arkansas. Right. And, and he's told me some horrible stories about it. And people don't realize that the Coptic Church is the Christian Church of Egypt, just like the Catholic Church is the Christian Church of Rome. And, and they it's go one back of the to oldest. Mark. Yes, it goes back to when St. Mark went to Alexandria. Right. Yeah, it pre, predated Islam. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've those people have, have been a persecuted minority for, for many years, and it's just gotten beyond just they don't get all the privileges. Now they truly are being in many cases, killed. They're, they uh, shoot shoot up their churches, and the government looks the other way. So. And they tear them down. Right. I mean, Islam, there's nothing they like better than to take a Christian church and make it a mosque. That's something that they strive to do over there. Hasn't happened so much here, but it has over there, and I don't think they want to try it here. Yet. Well, go to Istanbul and go to Jerusalem, and you'll... Take a look at it. Yeah, that's exactly absolutely, absolutely. We got about a minute here, Mark. Well, uh, is twenty twenty going to be a good year for Arkansas? Do you think twenty twenty is going to be a great year? Uh, President Trump is uh, going to win big in Arkansas. And yeah, I see. I see your sign. Yeah, (laughs) and I think he will. uh, I think he'll be reelected. Oh, Uh, I'm. I have no doubt. And I, 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 for two reasons. One. He's doing a great job. You might not like everything that comes out of his mouth or his style, but if you look at the bottom line, it's where where the country is is really on the right track. And then you compare and contrast uh, the myriad of Democrat uh, uh, 
candidates. I saw that Mr. Castro got out of the race today. I thought I didn't know he was in. Oh, really? He got out finally? Okay. <laughs> but uh, the point is that if this is the best they can put forward, then, you know, I think it even assures them. If he doesn't get above 3%, Booker will be going after Iowa. That's my prediction. Okay, we've got to take a break. News is next. Mark Johnson's back with us in a moment. All right, 25 minutes uh, until 4. And uh, State Senator Mark Johnson is our guest here in the studio. Uh, if you missed the interview that I did with uh, Governor Hutchinson at 2 o'clock, we will replay that hour at 5 o'clock. So you can hear exactly what he had to say about the whole refugee deal. And that's all we talked about. And, uh, you know, because I know that's on everybody's tongue right now. And uh, I pride myself on keeping hold of uh, local issues and, and getting you answers. And the best answer I can give you is to have the governor sitting right here and saying what he thinks and why he did what he did. You may not like it, but at least you'll hear it from, as you'll add, it says, the horse's mouth. And you did today. So uh, I thought he had uh, some, uh, I thought it was interesting that I, I didn't get to ask him about the uh, the executive order thirteen eight 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 that uh, President Trump released dealing with the governors having a say on the relocation uh, resettlements and all of that the refugee resettlement and uh, I asked him before he l- walked out of the studio and didn't get to ask on the air because we ran out of time did he have any input with uh, President Trump dealing with that. And he said, yes, that he had talked to the president and that uh, he had told the president he thought that governors needed more say in it. And the, and then the executive order came out. So he feels that he and other governors who felt the same way had a direct impact on that executive order. And so uh, he just wanted everybody to know that it only lasts for one year, you know. If he doesn't like the way it's going, then he can get out of it. They've got uh, a, a security system set up that they'll be notified if any of these refugees have any problems with the law or anything. So um, those were questions that you asked. I asked him. He gave the answers. Uh, if you've sent me questions before uh, and you're wondering if it made the cut, and it pretty probably did because most of the questions uh, were basically the same, uh, I'm sure you'll hear your answer at five o'clock hour. And they were straightforward answers. I, I uh, and again, my only problem with this was I felt kind of blindsided. That's what I said. I, I said I've got it right on my paper. There didn't seem to be a whole lot of transparency. And it was done during the Christmas holidays. Yeah, it came out on that yeah, uh, Tuesday Eve, before uh, Monday. Which well, was the day before before Christmas? Before Christmas. No, Christmas Eve was Tuesday. Christmas right. was Wednesday. Yeah. Came out Monday, and uh, yeah, it didn't give time for people to probably even see it. You know, well, not after even Christmas, know they did because they started. No, it was all, and texting well, it was all over social media. I mean, it right. blew up on my social media. I've right. got uh, just about every other person, and, and again, friend, that, had a story know, about it. If these facts that the governor gave you, if we'd known those ahead of time, it would have diffused a lot of the yeah, concern and and you know a lot of my friends that contacted me and constituents they were people that were old enough to remember 1980 and the mm-hmm. cubans rioting at fort chaffee and that was but people that are young don't remember this it was not like it was a riot i mean it was hundreds of 
Cubans rioting and going through the gate. I mean, it you know, it was like Scarface. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you saw that movie, that's kind of where they all came from. But, but because because Castro released all his prisoners, he let out the ones he wanted to send over here. That's it was right. A, it he was sent a, us all the it criminals. It was an invasion. Yeah. It's like I'm gonna send them the really baddies, like the the character that Al Pacino played in in Scarface. Yeah, say hello to my little friend. Right, the <laughs> the, the criminal. Yeah, element. that's and, exactly what happened. Absolutely, you're exactly so right. We we anyone that trying to you know we Arkansans have a reason to be a little bit hesitant. Sure, absolutely. I think I think everybody has a right to be gun shy when you see what's happened to Europe. Right. I mean, I I. I think we can all understand that thousands are not coming here to the state. It looks like the max is going to be 70 uh, that are coming. But, but even still, so, Dave, you look at It makes people nervous. It makes you nervous. And then, as I said earlier, if people want to come over here, they'll say they're from Vulcan if it'll get them in. That's true. That's the first thing. The second thing is uh, we, we have them vetted, but we have to admit there's got to be – there's some exposure uh, – I'm sure that the the Saudi Air Force officer that was in Pensacola, or, he was vetted. He I was can vetted, guarantee you that. And here, you know, it's just something we have to. He got radicalized, right? We've had the guy in, at Fort Hood who was an Army, U.S. Army officer mm-hmm. who presumably vetted, and you know, he went off the deep end. Exactly. So we we have to recognize that we are exposing ourselves in this. Now, on the flip side of that, and you mentioned it, we have very brave people who served our country by being interpreters or other assistants uh, to our soldiers. And, and you, you have our soldiers that have served in Iraq and Afghanistan. They will tell you of people that, you know, they, they love them. They, they trust them. They want them to be given every consideration to come here. Yes, because they truly are at risk and they got a bullseye on their back. So, I mean, I certainly appreciate those people and, and God bless them. I just, but on the other hand, you know, it's it, we have to take care of America first. We've just got to the extent we can secure things we do. We're not the uh, we, we can't take on the burden of everybody. No. We can help a few. And that's probably what this is all about. But we we can't do everybody. And I, I appreciate these churches are stepping forward because it's it's sticking your neck out a little bit. But on the other hand. Uh, we have to be very, very careful. The only thing that I really don't like about the whole thing is that, uh, and I thought there would be some kind of time frame, and to be honest, Mark, there isn't. Once they come here and they've relocated to the area they're going to be at, when they want to leave, they can leave. They go anywhere in the United States. And that makes me a you little mean bit... kind of like the illegals do? Yeah. Makes me nervous. Yeah. Makes me nervous because who's to say that? They're not an ISIS plant or something. And so they get here, and now they want to go to Dallas or Chicago or Kansas City, so in a, a bigger city, and, you know, wreck some kind of havoc on it. You know, that that concerns me because I know that uh, those are our enemies, and they really do want to do and if bad things of them to are, us. You've got 100 you let in. If one of them is the, the Manchurian candidate or yeah. the deep, deep, what do they call them, a, a deep cover agent yeah. or whatever, then you have to worry about that. Yeah. And again, it's, it's and that's we are why exposed. I like that they got this security thing going yeah. on. If anything shows up, of uh, you know, with the, you know, 
crossing the law or anything, right. they're going to be notified about it. And that's a good thing. And that it's only one year, I'm glad to hear that as, as well. Uh, well, Dave, it comes back to something that I've, I've said to a lot of people about our entire immigration issue is that no one has a right to come to the United no, States except it's up to us to let us in. Let if them in. We choose to give more or less mercy to people, and 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 that's that's a decision Americans make. And I've I've had arguments with people that talk about, well, they should have a right to come here. No. So, well, we might extend to them a privilege to come here, but there is no right. They have a right to ask. They well, don't have a right. To come. Exactly. We give them the right to be able to come. It's it's a decision to be made by Americans with first and foremost the security of the United States. Yep. And, and I, I, I agree with that. Hey, before we go to break, let me ask, how are things going? You were working on several things in the last uh, uh, General Assembly. Can we come back after the break and talk about those? And sure. Bring and you us might up even want to talk about something else the governor's kind of thrown out there. you want to talk about hate crime with me yes sir okay we'll do that <laughs> that's all coming your way on the dave ellswick show Work back hard. with you here on the dave ellswick show and we were just talking about carlton wing great guy he really hard is working, i got to know him uh, in the last legislative super, session super guy. and uh and and he doesn't pull any punches he'll answer a question i like that that's that's the way i like yeah, uh, the representatives and senators come on house. he sure is as is my friend that's about to yeah mark lowry will be here in a few moments he'll be joining us in the next next hour we're looking forward to having him on for the first time here in 2020 so you had some things that you were working on uh in the last legislative session and where are we on those well most of them we're got to wait till 2021 dave i I understand the way this 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 thing works uh but uh unless the governor wants to bring them in for Wow, doesn't he wore a tie today? Look at this. Yeah, Mark Lowry is here. For you watching on Facebook, it's the guy with the gray hair. <laughs> but he's got hair. I he can't say that. He has a lot more hair than I do, and significantly more than you, Dave. Yes, you're but, right uh, about that. Yeah, we're, uh, we're so, having it. So you tell me. You tell me. Where, uh, you, had, you had several things that were in well, interim committees. Well, the biggest disappointment was the, uh, uh, not passing the bill that would uh, – take pensions away yes. from the crooks where's that at right now uh, are they still playing well i'm procedurally i'm a much smarter legislator than i was in january of, <laughs> of 2019 that's for sure okay but uh hopefully we can do that and i and and i will take full blame for my own inexperience of not getting it passed it was a it was more complicated than i thought it would be uh the fact that anything changes anything in the retirement law has to be reviewed by actuaries even though i wouldn't think it would have anything to do with changing the actuarial status of any of the pension funds it basically just says if you're bad you're naughty you don't get your pension right and it's you you remember i used that term and you actually made a sign of it over here life is a series of incentives and disincentives that's right and we want to put up a disincentive for people to to be crooks if they're in both well, we do that every day in the exactly. civilian exactly. life. That's real life. You break the law, you go to jail. That's right. You know? And yeah. I, 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 there needs to be some teeth there somewhere. And that was the whole idea of it. The, the uh, uh, other thing was to the bill to protect the monuments. Yeah. And, uh, and Representative Lowry was my co-sponsor on that in the House. And we, we came close, but not quite. And I think it was my fault that we cast the net a little broader maybe than we should and— 
and uh, had some concerns, somewhat legitimate, about things unrelated to the monuments mm-hmm. that, uh, uh, you know, the, when things get confused, people shut down and, and uh, but we'll, we'll hopefully can have those ironed out by 2021. But uh, the thing that we mentioned we want to talk about is that uh, the governor has made some hint of interest in, in bringing up a hate crime legislation. Here's what bothers me about this. All right. Yeah. Number, number one, one of the, the, the arguments they use is, well, Arkansas is only one of four states that doesn't have hate crime legislation. So yeah, maybe we're smarter than, you know, the rest of them. I agree 100 percent. And the thing is that there's no way you can do anything on that regard that doesn't uh, is not a direct attack on the First Amendment. I agree with and, that. And you, and you come down to a fact that and it, it's not pleasant to say this and I'm sometimes hesitant to say it, but I want to say it right now. Hate is not unconstitutional. No, it's not. And uh, it, it's you can hate all you want to, just like you can love all you want to. That's right. But it's when you act on your feelings that you have to pay the consequences, and that's the way it should be. But thought crime should not be oh, something yeah. that we try to legislate. Thought crimes. This is going back to Orwell and things. You better you believe it. And Orwell and, is really... Uh, kind of apropos now because of a lot of things that are going on in our society. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you said that, that we can all agree. But the, but the whole thing with this, this hate crime, it reminds me when you visit the Jefferson Memorial and you look around the inside it's of the one of my country, favorite memorials. In it Washington. says, he says, I have sworn upon the altar of God, eternal hostility to every form of tyranny over the mind. That's of right. Man. And that's true. And, and, you don't have to uh, – There's we, we punish behavior. You know, we don't try to look into some – it's too much to ask 12 jurors to look in somebody's brain. Now, I, I think specifically – specifically – see, he's already been listening to it. Yeah, he's watching it on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Turn that down. See, he's using his phone. Yeah, plus I wanted to see – you're right, my hair's gotten very gray. <laughs> <laughs> see ego <laughs> vanity three but, words and this is not my good side three either, words so. just for men yes okay, go ahead. <laughs> well back to the, this thing about you know the whole yeah you know, with the with the hate crime we we allow juries you know if if murder is murder if you murder a peer another old guy that's bad if you murder a child if you murder a a innocent person that is you know a, a person in a nursing home it seems like the the ultimate form of hate is you kill somebody of course and you're taking everything away from them exactly and, and we we try to get into different looking in someone's brain it it opens up possibilities for people to to use it and it's not just something like murder uh uh Senator Garner mentioned to me the other day this story. I think it was in Iowa where the the guy burned the the gay pride flag, the yeah. rainbow flag, yeah. and they added thirteen years. Yes, he did as a hate crime. And I, I'm burned the United States flag. Nothing exactly, right? And that that bothers me. That bothers me very much because it's it's in many senses you don't want to you want to create disincentives for hate well and you know the truth is i'm sorry for jumping in but you you know as as long as we have elected prosecutors many of them who are democrats 
they're going to have their political agendas about whether they are going to go after someone who burned a rainbow flag or whether they're going to go after someone who burned the U.S. flag. And they shouldn't go after either flag. one. Or for heaven and, forbid. Uh, so I don't think we need flag. to give them that yeah. resource. Yeah. I agree with you. I'm 100, 110% behind what you just said. You know, I, look, I served in the military. I, I whole thing was to protect the flag, exactly. protect and protect everybody who stands behind the flag. But if somebody wants to burn a flag, I may punch you in the face after you do it and take the and consequences take the and take it. the consequences yes. for it. But I would never take away your ability to do it as disgusting as I think that is. Just being honest. Well, if you either believe in the First Amendment or you don't. Yeah. And and the fact is that if we were the it, it goes to the level of what we were talking about with the Orwellian thing where uh you're looking into someone's mind. Mm-hmm. And I I just think that's a terribly slippery slope that we just need to avoid and punish people for the crime, not for thoughts. Okay. I got three minutes with you. Okay. All right. Or if you want to stay a little longer you can. Sure. You see, see, he's buttoning okay, on my gonna ask this. I butted Is that all right, Mark? Can Mark stay? Well, butted in about 45 <laughs> yeah, seconds. I'll, I'll, I'll stay So a you can bit stay 45 it. seconds into <laughs> my hour. All right. So <laughs> let, me, let me ask this question, and we'll start this discussion, and then we can pick it up on the other side of the news if sure. necessary. And that is, after what we have seen that has happened at the FISA courts and how they were misled, yeah. and uh, it, now the FISA courts have started speaking out a little bit about the people who misled them. But still, it worries me, and I think it should worry every American, that the government can drum up a case against you if they really want to. Well, Dave, it's almost like being convicted by testimony in a grand jury and not being able to because so much of the stuff in the FISA court is is star uh, chamber. Yes, it's it's right. secretive. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and it's secretive for a very important reason. Yeah, but we certainly limit that type of thing to these very few things. You know, we have a uh, we have an Arkansan that's involved. Uh, Judge used Arnold to be used to be part of that. Yep. And, and of course, he can't talk about it. And all that. No, but, I, I've asked, but that is a <laughs> that's a serious you know thing when you. You have to, uh, you know, when you talk about, our, it's a security matter. It's it's a, not just a security like, you know, letting embarrassing things out. These are like nuclear secrets type thing. This is the actual safety of the country at stake. So, um, and for someone to abuse that process, like it appears that it has been, is is frankly I scary. don't even think it's appearance anymore. I think I we think know. Right. I think we know that they abused it. It shows how Carter desperate Page they knows are. that they abused it. It shows how desperate they are to get Donald Trump. Think about that. I mean, Carter Page, he's just kind of a nobody. And he just happened to get into somebody's crosshairs. And they went after him. Just the way they did against uh, Libby with right. Bush. It's and the same thing. Well, and they went after Michael Flynn. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they'll never be able to get back. Their, their esteem, their credibility. Everybody remembers what you were charged with. Nobody exactly. ever remembers if you were exonerated. Exactly so, right. And that is the God-honest truth because yeah. you're only on the, the front page of the newspaper one time when you're exonerated. Well, you know, Lizzie up Borden was acquitted. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know if she did it or not, but the point is she was acquitted, but everyone 
historically has ever heard of her. Knows that she gave her mama and daddy how many whacks? 40, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Even got a poem about it. Yeah. All right, let's take a break, guys. We'll come back. Mark uh, Johnson, state senator, is going to stay with us. State Representative Mark Lowry is going to join us. Got a lot to talk about. You can get involved in the conversation. 8230965. Dave Ellswick Show, right here at 101.1 FM. The answer is a new home of Rush Limbaugh. hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, uh, the governor was on with us at 2 o'clock today, uh, sitting down with me for a half hour, talking about the refugee resettlement issue, and uh, answered all the questions that I asked of him, was straight up about it, thought, uh, I thought it was a good half hour, personally, and uh, good to have him here in the studio. As I've always said, I know there's a lot of people don't like the governor, but I will say this. It's much better to have a Republican in the in the, uh, the governor's office than any of the best Democrats that you could put in there. That's just the way I feel about it. I, just, I mean, you look at the difference in the, in the uh, uh, platforms of the two parties, and if you believe in life, and you, I think if you believe in liberty, you believe Republican, just the way it is. But uh, he answered all the questions. I know some people wish that I would yell at him. I never yell. Look, I don't yell at governors or elected officials. They, they're elected officials because the people voted them into office, so I don't yell at them. I might yell at them uh, if they're not in the studio with me. But if they're sitting here, it's not for me to yell at them. It's me to ask questions, and I do, and do it in a uh, a reasonable way. It's just like if President Trump was here, as much as I like the man, he still ticks me off with some things that he does. All right. I mean, mm-hmm. to be honest. And, uh, but if he was here, treat him just the way I did Reagan when I sat in the Oval Office with him. Well, I'm sitting here, Dave, with my best friend, and uh, we argue all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, and we differ on some issues, believe it or not. It's probably not to most people that consider him 
relatively trivial, but to us, they're pretty important. But, you know, that, that doesn't mean I don't have that most respect for him and his opinion. Sometimes he's even right. Now, let me, let me, be, let me be honest. Right. One time, Governor uh, Beebe came on mm-hmm. early on, and then he never came back. <laughs> and I asked him tough questions res- respectfully. He didn't like answering them, but he did. And uh, he never came back. But that's just the way it was. I mean, gov- uh, Governor you know, Governor Huckabee, he came on several times. But he and I did not see eye to eye most of the time politically. So kind of interesting. But, Mark, thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Glad State Representative Mark Lowry is in the studio now. So let me just start off with you since you, this is your hour, basically. Let me just ask you what you think of what you say you heard that interview what are your thoughts about what the governor said about the refugee resettlement program well i think the main up, upshot of of all the discussion of that interview and also your discussion with senator johnson was that there there should have been prior notice to legislators <clears throat> um i i did ask for an appointment with the governor's office uh right after christmas just to get uh, updated on the refugee refugee issue and mm-hmm. also the, the governor coming out saying that he would favor hate crimes legislation. I, I wanted to get information on the refugee issue. Uh, and, and I will say uh, I, I did not get any phone calls or any messages or anything about that. However, we should be notified uh, on, an, on a critical issue like that ahead of time so that we're not caught unaware. So we have uh, the proper answers. And, uh, just like the Senate, uh, the description that Senator Johnson has, we, ha- we have a mechanism for being able for the speaker or for caucus leaders to contact members, uh, both through either, uh, using whips, uh, to do text messaging or email. And, uh, that should have been done. Um, I, you know, I trust, uh, the governor and his process, uh, certainly I trust President Trump and what his administration's done in terms of the vetting. I, but I would say this, uh, I went back and looked at uh, all the information about that executive order. Governors had until January, I believe January 20th or 21st, to notify the Trump administration that they uh, would not accept refugees or that they would, their final determination. So I don't see any reason that this announcement needed to be made December 23rd, mm-hmm. especially if members were not going to be notified. Uh, could have waited until January 21st. Then legislators, I mean, we're going to be up at the Capitol uh, next week, two major committees, Education Committee, Public Health Committee, two uh, for two days. And so there's a lot of legislators that would already be up there, you know, just catch us in the hall, but not to mention the other means that we have of communication which would be email, phone calls, as such. And and there are phone trees. You know, you can call a, a deputy a whip or a whip in the House, and they have a certain number of legislators that they're responsible for notifying. And that process should have been used. Okay, so I guess the uh, biggest question is, the governor said, and very clearly, because I went back and re-asked him again to clarify, that he says that he let uh, the pro tem know, and he let the Speaker of the House know. Now, I asked uh, Senator Johnson, I'll ask you as representative, uh, uh, does it bother you that 
the Speaker Matthews didn't get a hold of you all? Well, Speaker Shepard is uh, very responsive um, and usually very proactive in communicating with us. And I don't know if it was the timing of being right around Christmas. Uh, again, I, I kind of lay, lay the blame at uh, the feet of the executive branch uh, for feeling like they needed to make this announcement right before Christmas. I think for them it was all about optics about being, you know, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And that got in the way of proper transparency and letting the legislators know ahead of time. Um, I think uh, the limited number of refugees, the limitation of what countries they would be coming from, knowing that there has been proper vetting, I, I don't know that we have a huge concern, especially if we are talking about 60, 70. Uh, the main issue is the process and how it was done to to notify us. I know it was an executive branch decision, but the legislators uh, should have been informed. Yeah, it just seems to me, I know that it was the governor's decision. I mean, the executive order says that it's up to the governor is what it says. Uh, however, if you're the governor, I think that you say, well, the elected representatives of the people have the right to know so they can let their constituents know. And uh, I didn't think that that was, that was carried out, although he said that on other issues it was the same way. He would contact, you know, the pro tem or contact the speaker, and then it was up to them to contact you all. Sure. It, it's and not, I think that that's the appropriate channel. Right. Uh, but something happened in terms of the mix of getting the word out, and it could have been the timing, which – Again, the executive branch should have taken that into consideration as well. Is this a good time to make this announcement? Yeah, it's Christmas Eve. People Eve. are distracted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. And, and another thing about that, that Dave, that I'll jump in just briefly on it. Uh, the, uh, the, the the president is not picking governors. He's turning it to the states. Correct. And our chief executive is the governor. That's right. But it was really a state by state yeah, it's a Tenth Amendment thing. Exactly, and he's honoring that, and I appreciate the fact that he's honoring that. And uh, but once again, as as you know, I said I I represent uh, you know ninety to hundred thousand people, and uh, they're they're the ones that are contacting me. You know, the truth can needs is important, and the lie can get around the the world before the truth gets up in the morning and gets its pants on, and. We had a little bit of this in this case, and it would have saved a lot of, mm -hmm. of uh, embarrassment and, and problems. And even you know, the, the governor even needing to come on your show, if it had been handled a little bit smoother, it probably would have avoided. But once again, uh, I'm not 100% for everything that he said was going on because I worry. There's there's some you know loose ends, and as I said, to come to this country, there are people out there that would say, well, I'm from the planet Vulcan. They thought it would get them in the country. So, And I don't deny that. I, I really don't. I don't deny that at all. Uh, so did you get your refugee resettlement paper that the governor sent out? Did they send out that to everybody? I, I did not get that, but I did see it online. Okay. Yeah, we, we, we all saw it, it on, on social my, media, didn't yeah, we? we? Yeah, right. we posted it on my Facebook <laughs> page, the, the, the and fact, I got it. The fact sheet. Yes. Yeah, right. We I did, did that. I did see that in the last couple of days. And, I think that came out. In and it email. does bother me that we do not know right now where they're coming from. I mean, it may, you know, the way that they've 
they did this is it says historically, all right? Well, that doesn't mean now, all right, that the refugees come from African nations in conflict or war, few places like Iraq or Afghanistan, which have individuals who are at risk because of cooperation with the U.S. or because of persecution. Uh, okay, I go along with the, all of that, but that's historically. That does not nece- you know, necess- uh, necess- necessarily uh, say to us, that uh, it's going to continue that. Well, way. I think we'll, that let the, the, we'll let the professor here talk about parsing words. Well, he knows how they do that. Yeah, and I listened very carefully the, to the, the discussion in the uh, thirty minutes the governor's with you, where he was saying, "Well, it could be somebody who has worked with American That's troops. Correct. It could be. It could be. Well, those are nice justifications, but it could also be that none of those cases apply. No, that's what I'm saying. You say historically, <laughs> right. that does not necessarily reflect of what's happening right. this time. But the comfort that I have is that this has been dramatically reduced from when it took place in the Obama administration. Yes, 110,000 Obama, 18,000 Trump. Right, and I think that there also is still in place a specific ban of refugees coming from certain nations. I think that is still in place. Yeah, Syrian. Syrian, right. Definitely. Um, so it, w- it would be nice to have more specificity, I think, especially in light of what happened in Pensacola, uh, where we had a friendly, mm-hmm. supposedly, uh, being trained by the, you know, and I don't, I, I just don't understand how, you know, we allow those kinds of things to even happen. But that should have given any of the governors, not just the Arkansas governor, but any governor, pause to take the extra month that the governor had before they had to make their final decision or their final announcement to the Trump administration. Um, because we are seeing, unfortunately, we're seeing more and more of these situations there. I mean, they're isolated, but who's to say that that isolated situation can't happen in the state of Arkansas as well? I will. I am happy that again, and I mentioned this with uh, Senator Johnson, that they are going to have it set up that if anything happens with one of these refugees where they break the law or whatever, it's going to be reported and it's going to be tracked. I think that is, yeah, for the year that that uh, this is in, 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 uh, in vogue. So, I mean, I, I think that's a good thing. You know, if you're going to let people in, you need to know what they're doing. Are they positive citizens, you know, are they positive additions to our community or not? Right. So I'm, I'm good at that. All right, take a fast break. We'll come back. We got State Representative uh, Mark Lowry here, State Senator Mark Johnson. When Dave, I'm going to go on. You're going to take off? So okay. thank you again and keep up the great work and Happy New Year. Happy New Year <laughs> to you. We'll, we'll be talking to you a lot you more. Bet. And uh, we'll come back and we're going to talk with the representative about hate crime legislation when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we continue with uh, State Representative Mark Lowry, who continue to be with us until 5 o'clock. Again, at 5 o'clock after the news, uh, a repeat of Governor Asa Hutchinson and his half hour with us talking about the refugee uh, resettlement program so that you can hear what the governor had to say about it. I thought it was a good half hour. I thought it was informative and uh, hope that you'll stick around and listen to that. And, of course, I... I'm going to keep reminding you that 101.1 FM, uh, the answer is now the home of, uh, or should I say, the home of uh, Rush Limbaugh. And Rush will be back in 
uh, his seat in front of the golden microphone, EIB microphone, on Monday. Yeah, congratulations that on that. That's great. I'm and glad his to fill-ins are, I listened to Mark Stein. He's very good. Filling in, and he's really good. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, enjoy uh, the Limbaugh show before our program. Not the show. It is a program. And uh, we're uh, going to have him here uh, now from now on. This is his home now. Yeah. here in little rock that's a good thing that is good all right with that said let's go back to, you know the governor has kind of kind of uh got himself going on a couple of things and this refugee resettlement issue is only one and maybe not even the biggest one i think the bigger one is the hate crimes legislation because that has i believe a much more direct impact on every person that's listening to this show right now that's from the state of arkansas than what the re- the refugee resettlement uh, does. Uh, what do you think? Is that do you think that's true? Is it do you think that the the whole hate crime legislation is really uh, that's really serious? I just think it's so much serious than people think. Well, I think it is, and uh, I think uh, the thing that really concerns me as a legislator is that, and, and I understand the executive branch, the governor, you know, has a bully pulpit. Uh, uses opportunities to you know talk about legislation that he would like to see the legislature take up, uh, but this is one that really greatly concerns me, and it's actually the the main issue that I asked to to speak to one of the uh, staff members in the governor's office just to get more background on it. Uh, their argument, uh, the argument that they laid out for me, is that uh, you know Arkansas is really rounding the corner on being a magnet for for uh, employment for industry to come in and that this is something that hinders their ability to recruit some industry. That so this we, sounds like a whole riffra thing all over. Well, again. It, abs- yeah, it does. And it's very, that's very concerning, disconcerting to me as I, as I mentioned uh, when Mark was here, you know, that is a very dangerous weapon to put in the hands of uh, some in the judi- judicial branch um, we run into situations all the time when audits come up showing theft in schools, municipalities, and they get referred to prosecutors, and the prosecutors choose to not charge because maybe the person's well-placed in the community or whatever. And so there's far too much discretion uh, to elected prosecutors mm-hmm. to give them this kind of a weapon where they can choose that in the example that, that we were talking about that they can go after someone with enhanced penalties because they burn a gay rights flag, but they won't use those same enhanced penalties to go after someone who burns a Christian flag or burns the U.S. flag. And uh, I think, you know, my attitude always about this is a crime is a crime. Well, yeah, and the, and I mean, the only how thing much that hate you, can you have when you kill somebody? Well, and the only thing you need to know, there are, obviously there are other crimes that would uh, come under hate crimes, but the main thing you need to know of what is going on in a person's mind, especially if it comes to murder, uh, would be premeditation. Beyond that, it shouldn't matter what is inside their head. They committed a crime. Do you have the evidence? Prosecute them. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't care what a person's thinking about when they commit the crime. They committed the crime. Period. Pretty simple, if you ask me. Absolutely. And, uh, you know... I guess some people could have more comfort if they knew that the application of this would go both ways. For instance, the the video I've seen 
uh, of a young man being beat up on a school bus because he was wearing a Make America Great Again mm-hmm. hat. Okay. Right. Uh, I don't know if charges were brought about against the multiple juveniles that were beating up on him, but if hate crimes legislation was pl- uh, applied fairly, that would be a hate crime. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I would dare to say that, you know, depending on which part of the state that you're in and who the prosecutor is, you're not going to get those enhanced penalties. So until the application is done uniformly, we're not we're not ready for something like that. I was I'm not sure what the name of the person was. Jake Tapper. That's who it was. Jake Tapper asked a question just last week. He said, would they have covered the story about the um, the Jewish grocery store in New York, or it wasn't in New Jersey, New Jersey, that had been attacked by the uh, the 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 black uh, uh, Jewish group. If it had been a white supremacist group, would, oh, sure. they, would they have covered it differently? And the answer to that is absolutely oh, it, yes. It, it would be the it would be the, in the A block. It'd still be going right now. Absolutely, I can tell you that. Yeah, and. Uh, that's a legitimate question to ask the media, and and it's a legitimate question to ask anybody because that plays into all of this. Yeah, and let me say something about the justification that the governor's office has, has used on this. You know, we've done a great deal to make Arkansas a magnet for industry, yes. and that's a good thing. We're below the national average, I believe, on unemployment. Uh, we've really taken a great initiative on career career education, tax incentives, and they're working, and we should let them work, uh, and not look at something that w- might actually season the soup a little bit. You know, it might help in this situation, and and it is driven by certain companies that have more of a liberal bent political philosophy. Um, so I, you know, I just I don't know that I fully accept that justification for hate crimes legislation. We'll talk further with Mark Lowry when we come back. Welcome back. It's Dave Ellswick's show, and uh, State Representative Mark Lowry is with us. And we've been talking about the refugee resettlement. We've been talking about hate crime legislation. Those are two big issues that have just come up here in the last uh, what, month, month and a week. Pretty close to the two. I, 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 I said two of the things that I, two issues that I think that the governor could bring up that would cause people to really question what's going on would be those two issues. Right, and they've honest. actually happened probably in the last two and a half weeks. Yeah, yeah. it's been close. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, the the first one, uh, the refugee resettlement, uh, that's, that's not a good thing for a lot of people. They've got a lot of issues with it, and I think it goes back just like what Mark Johnson said. It goes all the way back to the 80s when they brought Cuban ref, uh, Cuban refugees in. But the, the other thing is, is in, in serious, uh, people are, they see what happened in Europe. They, they see the news. They know what's going on. The last thing they want is that kind of an issue in their own communities. However, you've got more control over it than the European nations did because they just, they just let them come on in. Some yeah. of them. Some, right. Now, I'm going to tell you. Some stopped them. Was it Czechoslovakia that built big fence and wouldn't let them come in into their country? Uh, I don't know, I but I'm, about I'm that. sure that there are some that they certainly them. bowed up. Yeah, and there's but, others yeah. that didn't, and now they wish they had. Right. 
So, but we're not dealing with that many, thank goodness. You know, maybe as many as 70. My biggest concern is that they can come and then they can leave and go wherever they want to. And if you're going to bring somebody in and be a free person, you got to do that. Right. But still, uh, with, as you were talking about, what happened down in Pensacola, as Mark Johnson talked about, what happened down in Colleen, Texas. Right. I mean, it gives you pause. And how well can you vet people that there really isn't a whole lot of information about them? Correct. You know, it's not like they're filling out a lot of applications and things of that nature. And I guess if you can find a a Facebook page that has anti-American screeds about them, uh, somebody you don't want to let come in. Right. Uh, We're probably, the the Trump administration is probably being able to do more than previous because you're only talking about 18,000 yeah. as opposed to what 110,000 110, under the Obama administration. So there at least is that availability, but you know, and he I, wants to cut it further, right? Yeah. Yeah. He wants to make it even smaller, which I don't have any problem with. It's just like when we were talking, uh, uh Mark, uh, earlier and, and that is, uh, people's, a lot of people say, People have a right to come to the United States. No, they have a right to ask to come to the United States. We have the right to tell them no. Correct. Or to tell them yes. Right. They don't have that right. Right. And my understanding is that these 70 or whatever the estimated number is, you know, they're going through the legal process of of applying for refugee status. Uh, So they're doing it. Face-to-face interviews. That's right. Uh, But – even the face-to-face, it's not being done while they're hooked up to a lie detector. No. So whatever they tell you, unless you have some ability to be able to. You're uh, taking it you know, at face value. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 there's, a, there's cons and there's pros. All right. Like I've said on the, earlier in the show, if these people are Jesus followers and they're being persecuted for their faith, more than happy, you know, I, w- I would like to see my church right. bring those people here. Absolutely. That's, you know, yep. that, that's the whole, that's the idea of refugee status, you and, know. And that is also the church getting getting outside of its four walls. And doing what they're supposed to that, do. Exactly right. And yeah. that's, uh, you know, and so to the credit, the sponsoring organizations, you know, are, are church-affiliated organizations. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that are, you know, they're, they're putting their their credibility, their name on the line they are receiving some federal funds to to do this yeah um but uh but there still is you know an issue of wanting to protect uh the rights and the the sensibilities of those in the in the local community that's the number one right that's the number one yeah. thing government's supposed to do, protect their uh, citizenry right. and let me let me say something because it kind of struck me that the number 70 80 whatever was very close to another number that's come up and another issue where the governor's office has been extremely proactive. They've been, uh, there was discussion at one point, uh, I had a constituent reach out to me about it, of dependence of state employees who were being cut off of um, the uh, em- Employee Benefits Division was going to right. cut these uh, dependents off. They were over, 20, uh, over age 26. They had uh, some sort of disability. And they had been given until the end of December uh, to find other insurance. Now, in a lot of cases, some of these people, these uh, uh, children, 
uh, already had Medicaid or Medicare, um, but there were some that were being left in the gap. And so uh, Public Health Committee took the issue up. Later on, uh, Representative Ladyman and myself spake, spoke with Amy Fetcher with the, the Transformation Office. Mm-hmm. And the day that we spoke with her, uh, I got a phone call. We talked to her probably around 1 o'clock of the afternoon, got a phone call by 5 o'clock that the governor's office had rescinded that action and that those individuals are still going to be covered. Uh, one thing that the, the families are being asked to do is if you're Medicaid eligible uh, or you already you have apply. that, or you already have that, right. present that card first, uh, either the Medicaid or the Medicare, and then the private insurance plan that, say, through Medicaid expansion, do that on down the line. And uh, so anyway, the governor's office was, extre- as they usually are on a lot of issues, very responsive. I, I got a great response about my wish to get background information on the decision about the refugees. But it wasn't proactive, and that's one of the things. That, one of the messages I hope that we're able to put out there is that it really would help us if we know beforehand um, what is going on, so we have answers. Yeah, well, I definitely can understand that. I was telling you guys during the break. What one thing I hated when I was in management in radio. Now I'm, I just do my show, which I'm more than happy to be doing my show and not having all the other headaches that went around right. with management. But the last thing I wanted to do was walk into this, this station in the morning and be called to the GM's office and asked, why did this happen? Right. And no one who was involved with what happened called me to tell me that it happened. Yeah. And so I was blindsided by it. And, uh, you know, my answer to the GM was, first time I've heard about it. Mm-hmm. Well, how is it just the first time you've heard about it? Well, they got to call me. Well, why didn't they? I don't have answers to that. I can't. I can't get in their minds. Right. All right. Yeah. I'm sure it was that they were embarrassed, or they knew that maybe their job could be on the line, or whatever. But the bottom line was, I wasn't notified. Right. Yeah. That typically didn't go over well with the GM. <laughs> no, it you know, doesn't. It doesn't. You yeah. know, and it doesn't go over well with a constituent if you say to them. Hey, look, I, this first I've heard of it, I will find out and get back to you. And you know what they're thinking? What are you being paid for? Right. You know? Right. Well, and, and you know, I, I didn't, I mentioned I didn't get any phone calls on yeah. the refugee issue. Uh, and it usually does, you know, it, it helps, puts me in a good stead if someone tells me something that I didn't know and I tell them I'm going to look into it, I'll call you back. And then I call them back. Yeah. And they actually, I think, give me even more credit because I was responsive to go to the effort of calling them back. Right. But it's still better if we're informed ahead, yeah, of, absolutely. ahead of time. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. State Representative Mark Lowry is with us. Phone line's open if you want to get involved. Day 2-3-0-9-6-5. I need to keep repeating that now. A two three zero nine six five. If you got a question, feel free to call in. When we come back to do our last segment, there's another topic that I'd like to bring out, and you're going to hear more about this uh, during the upcoming months of 2020, and that is the half-cent sales tax that they want to vote on uh, coming up in November. Uh, You know where I'm at. We'll find out where the state representative is at when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. 
All right. Remember, the home of the Rush Limbaugh Show is 101.1 FM, The Answer. Dave Ellswick Show with you. Last segment with uh, State Representative Mark Lowry. Tomorrow, it's a Friday fun show. Two o'clock, we're going to have uh, uh, Ed Monk in, and we're going to talk about the church shootings that happened in Texas. He's a... a, uh, instructor for concealed carry he's been on the show many times talking about what to do and what not to do in an active shooter case we'll talk about what happened at the church and what churches should be doing to protect themselves plus uh, tim Lim, shane stacks and uh, mark pellegrini will come on and we'll talk about the 10 best movies of 2019 and what we're looking forward to in 2020 so that's coming up tomorrow here on the dave ellswick show but right now Let's get back with uh, State Representative Mark Lowry, and I kind of led into this into the break, and that is the half-cent sales tax that will be voted on come uh, Election Day in November of this year, and uh, I'm going to vote against it. And the reason I'm going to vote against it, number one, we have to come up with a different way to fund our highways. I want to know that the highways are more under control uh, from uh, the, the people who are in charge of building the highways. And last but not least, I don't want any tax added to the state constitution. How do you feel about this? Well, I, I agree with that. Now, I, during the break, I was trying to double-check myself. Uh, I'm fairly sure that I did vote to refer this to the voters. I, okay. I feel like it's, you know, it's. I'm not going to stand in the way of, of the voters of Arkansas being able to decide whether they want to tax themselves or whatever. But I agree with you that I don't think that tax should be placed, and, and it, the way it's worded, it's going to be indefinite. Uh, and can be raised the right, way that it's written. And to in put there. it in the Constitution. So I would I will be voting no on that as well. Okay. Uh, I voted against the motor fuel, the motor, uh, the fuel tax and yes. diesel tax increase. My main argument on voting against that was that in, in the city of Maumelle, we just, uh, you may know the, the new extension. Correct. Uh, the uh, White Oak Crossing extension. Uh, the people of Maumelle voted themselves a half-cent sales tax to pay for the bridge, for the, uh, uh, the infrastructure there. Uh, they had voted for a millage to actually improve uh, that roadway. And so I felt like the, the people of Maumelle had, had stepped up themselves and voted them extra taxes to pay for their main highway need. And I didn't think it was correct. And I actually went before the city council to explain to them my motivation for voting against that, that increase. Um, I think the, the point that you made uh, also of something that's going to be indefinite and if you put it in the Constitution, pretty much it's going to be permanent, uh, but not really being not dealing with the independence of the Department of Transportation, uh, mm-hmm. not getting uh, and we've added in some accountability measures in terms of a subcommittee that gets reports. But there's still not enough oversight. The legislature has little to no oversight of the highway department and the decisions that they make on where they're going to spend the money uh, around the state. And, uh, you know, that's that's a process that is uh, sometimes fraught with political pressures that have uh, not as much to do with need as it does with who who's uh, the squeaky wheel that needs to be greased. Right. And uh, so I, I'm, re- you know, very concerned about putting even more, more money in their hands. Now, having said that, uh, one thing about any highway funding is that 
we do get a three to one match from the feds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's probably one of the most of, uh, efficient, I guess, ways to raise money. But as you've said, uh, we've really got to look at the, the whole mechanism of, of tying a tax to the cost of fuel and, you know, cars becoming more efficient, uh, uh, gas costs, especially if you're doing it as a percentage of what you pay on fuel, that share is dropping. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're really not getting on top of this, of recognizing that we have to have a new funding mechanism. Look, Barnett was the first one a decade ago who was saying that if you're out buying batteries and tires and things of that nature, the taxes on those items should be directed towards the roads. And I, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm really behind that. And then state representative Mayberry, right. Julie Mayberry brought that up again in the last legislative session and, uh, it, and it got killed. Right. But it, I supported her on yeah, that. I, I, know I agree with that completely. And, yeah. Is, is, is there an appetite to do that, or is it that, uh, you know, the governor has his plan, and so everybody who's a Republican feels like kind of they got to get behind the governor? Or is that, are we moving away from that a little bit? Well, I you know, I think when at the point that she brought that up in the legislative session, there were some that saw that as uh, as obstructionist, maybe to the other issues that were being pushed, the increase in the motor fuel tax, right. diesel, uh, referring to the voters and that, you know, there was concern that plus you've got other constituency groups that see those taxes on. Yeah, it's keeping their programs going. Exactly. You know, whether it's schools or whether it's local municipalities, it's like, you know, they see that as their money. Right. You don't have any right to touch that. Don't come after that. Uh, But again, any money that would be derived from uh, the the cost or the taxes on batteries, tires, whatever, if you earmark it for highways, then you're going to get a federal match. Yeah. I mean, once you get to 50 million. Then you're going to get a three three to one match. Let me tell on you that. what, it don't take long with a tax to get to fifty million. No, it doesn't. Right. And there's none of those kinds of tripling effects when that money just goes to municipalities or to schools. No. So it's probably the most effic- efficient and effective use of taxes on those particular and they are tied to transportation. You know what bothered me most about that, Mark, is that I asked uh, a question of a committee chairman if they could give me a list of where that money was going and they could not. Now that that's worrisome. It it is. That's why I'm kind of being vague about, I'll I'll be honest with you. I don't don't know know where it goes. I I don't know whether it's going to municipalities and turn back funds or whether it's going to school districts. I I have a feeling. Well, I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you'd be guessing. You might, I would might be, be a and good I'm, guess, I'm usually pretty good about crunching these things. I will tell you one thing. If it's the school people complaining about they're going to lose a share of it, they need to talk to their superintendents about the $2 billion that are sitting in banks not being spent. Boy, we've talked about this. Yeah. Uh, That's fires, important for people to understand that, that that money is just sitting there Yeah, and uh, could be used by the school districts. Right. And they don't want to touch it. No. When I first started asking about it, their response was, well, we're saving up for a rainy day. Yeah. 
And when and when I told them and I pulled out a list telling me what the reading at grade level percentage was for their school district, I went, let's see, your district's only 30% reading at grade level. Wouldn't you say it's not just raining, it's storming? They realized they weren't going to, I wasn't going to go away by them patting me on the head with that, you know, inane answer. And uh, so anyway, but there's other things that, uh, that we're going to, I'm going to be looking at in this, uh, probably an interim study. Uh, $500 million a year is raised in property millages tied to debt service. Right. But only 45% of that is being used to retire their debt. The other 55%, in other words, over $250 million, they're able to put into their operating funds. All right. That's a problem. So Just it saying, is. That's a problem. Yeah. All right. Quickly, let's get a caller in here. Doug is in North Little Rock. Hey, Doug, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show on 1011 FM. I also plan to vote against this extension of the half percent sales tax, and, and I'm coming up with an alternative. Okay. Uh, the billboards that are up and down our highways and city streets and whatnot are completely exempt from any sales tax on the revenue that they generate. Some of those billboards rent for like $4,000 a month, and there's not a penny sales tax uh, coming off of that revenue. And I would suggest that they eliminate that sales tax exemption on billboards and direct it to uh, construction and maintenance of uh, roads and bridges in the state. That's that's a, a logical Statewide, uh, I would like to know how much is spent on outdoor advertising. There's not a penny of it that's dedicated to uh, maintenance on our roads because it's all exempt from right. uh, sales tax revenue. If I remember correctly, there was an attempt several terms, several sessions back to tax based on the revenue generated by that billboard. And so the yeah, pushback and you can was... imagine what happens when someone is threatened with having their sales yeah. tax exemption removed. You know, there's, an, there's another one. Uh, that's the problem with Arkansas sales tax because there's so many exemptions that 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 really hurts the the uh, revenue source. Like for instance, if you take your pet to a groomer, the grooming service is a, is completely subject to state, city, and county sales tax. But if you go to the barber shop or your wife goes to the beauty salon to, for hairdressing, that revenue is completely exempt from all Arkansas sales taxes. It doesn't make any sense. Who said politicians make sense? Well, I, I'll tell you one thing. I would like to see a list of all the exemptions that have been granted over the years to services in this state. And, it, you know, because most products are subject to the sales tax. And, and the burden is getting bigger and bigger all the time to merchants that collect that sales tax. If you remember a couple of years ago, uh, the uh, Playtime Pizza place over in Little Rock got busted for skimming over $1.5 million worth of sales taxes. And their business was closed down, and all their assets were, were auctioned off. And, and I think they uh, got about three hundred grand in selling off all their assets. But every one of the pizza places that they competed against for those years were playing by a very unfair uh, uh, system because yeah. Playtime Pizza had a million and a half dollars that they didn't have any problem collecting when they sold a pizza, but they weren't submitting it to the state, and that that was make you know giving them a million and a half dollars of uh, tax-free money to, to play with and compete against all the other pizza places. All right, Doug, i got to let you go because we're out of time, but a great call. Good job. You're the final caller today. That's a good job. State Representative Mark Lowry, thank you for coming in. We'll have you back on here in the new year. Well, thank very you. Very shortly. Happy New Year to you, and thank you for inviting me to be with no you No problem. Today.
We'll be back tomorrow, 2 o'clock, right here on The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.